All right, good to see everyone. If you hope you got a Okay, let's give a <clears throat> let's give a shot at that. Uh, what? Let's just start. Let's just go down the verses here. So, what did you see in verse thirty-six that would indicate uh, a key way to go about studying and a key way not to go about studying? What were the what's the mistake that uh, is presented here by Jesus? By the way, before you answer that, let me give you a setup here. This comes out of the beginning of chapter 5, where Jesus healed a man who had been an invalid for 38 years, and he healed him on the Sabbath. And the Jews rejected Jesus and complained that he'd healed a guy on the Sabbath and therefore rejected him as the Messiah. So that's the setup for the words of 536, the works that the Father has given me to accomplish in uh, showing these very works bear witness of him. So he's just healed a guy that had been an invalid for 38 years. Any ideas? Okay, so here's a man, invalid, 38 years. Jesus heals him. Jews object because in healing him, they violated the Sabbath. All right, so learn something from how the Jews read the law in order to condemn Jesus for violating the Sabbath. What'd they do wrong? Okay, good. They didn't, they didn't understand, had not sought out what is the meaning of the Sabbath command. All they saw was the command and decided something, some work had been done in healing the guy. All right, can you, can you think of another mistake that they made in that? that that's maybe the primary mistake. You think of another mistake they made there. Well, they did. Yeah, good. They, may, they really made their own rules about the Sabbath because where in the law did it ever say that you couldn't heal a guy on the Sabbath? <laughs> I, you know, the, the Sabbath laws were very, were pretty simple. 
you're not supposed to do any of your normal work on that day. You don't build a fire on that day. Uh, and, uh, uh, well, there's one other. Uh, what? Oh, you, you, you can't, yeah, you can't, you can't that, and that'd be your normal, you, and you, you can't, uh, you can't cook, you know, you're not supposed to cook on that day and stuff. So there's, there's very, very basic things, not doing your normal uh, labor. Go. I may be off, but it seems to be the fact that the scripture bear witness to him means that there is a reference there that they're missing, so they're totally missing the reference. Good. It's pointing toward Jesus, it's just looking at this first one. So the scripture is written and designed and pointing toward him, but their mistake is they're, they're not looking to see what that. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Per, they don't perceive. Uh, here they search. They, as he's later going to say, they search the scriptures, but they they still aren't seeing him. Uh, think about this as well. Uh, what sort of person would uh, condemn a man who did something only God could do? and healed a guy who'd been an invalid for 38 years, and then you condemn him because he did it on the Sabbath. What's wrong with that reasoning? <laughs> Other than just being absolute the dumbest thing you could ever think of. But. You're condemning God. Well, yeah. I, maybe you should step back and go, if he could do that, maybe I'm not looking at the Scriptures. Maybe my traditional way of looking at the Scriptures is off here somehow. That doesn't make sense. It should have gotten your attention. That's what Jesus is saying. These works I'm doing bear witness that I'm the right guy. I'm the guy you should be following. And yet, doesn't doesn't happen. How about verse 37? What does he accuse them of there that they have not done? Yeah, they haven't heard the Father's voice, they haven't seen his form, and they don't have his word abiding in them. What does that tell you about how you study? I mean, in other words, it's kind of a difficult, how do you hear his voice? You know, he's, he's, Jesus isn't talking about, well, you, you know, nanny, nanny, I've heard the voice of God, but you haven't. You know, that's not what he's saying here. He's rebuking them for not hearing the voice of God, not seeing his form, not having the word abide in them. You know, think of what it takes to do that in your Bible study. Okay, you you have to have you have to 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 really build on what you're learning and and understand more fully who he is. Yeah. Trying to figure out something you already believe or something you already think, you have to come into it to allow the words to become what you think. Yeah. Start thinking like God thinks. Hear what He says. Hear His thoughts. Kind of like he says in Isaiah, give up your thoughts and your ways, because my ways are better. So coming at it with fresh eyes, not trying to stamp on it what yeah. you already think. And, and, and without that doubt, that, that is probably their major issue. They came in to their Bible study to justify what they wanted to find, what they wanted to uh, see, and they did not see the others. So they really aren't listening to God. They don't see God in the text. Now that's something that is hard for uh, us because most of us grew up with just 
reading the Bible to say, here, well, let me find out what's right and wrong. What it means, find out what's the right side of this issue or the wrong side or what's what I'm supposed to do here or how am I supposed to live. And we look at those things and, and obviously we need to find those things in the Bible. But, but first and foremost, you need to see and hear God and have his word dwelling in you, abiding in you, so that it is governing every part of your life. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to try to do a, a class in which we look at some things on how to see God in a text instead of just seeing some facts. How do we actually see God in his text? In, in a text, we should be able to see his, his patience, his humility, his care, his love, his, his punishment. We, we need to see all the facets of him to know him. And the only way you can do that is read past just, let me proof text something. Let me type, find a verse that, that fits what I want to, uh, what I want to know. So this, this is a big challenge of theirs. And it's, that's the reason he says, you, you, don't, you don't believe in me because you, you're not listening to the word of God. Okay, take a look at, what about verse, uh, verse 39? Mara. Uh, I thought this was the false idea of just knowing what it says will give me to heaven. Okay, just, just, just simply knowledge of the facts. Yeah, just so you're reading the Bible to get the knowledge of the facts. So. How many of us have read the Old Testament, studied the Old Testament, and the only reason we read it and studied it because we thought the only thing we were supposed to find is uh, what's the story of Genesis, what's the story of Jacob, story of Joseph, what's the story of Moses, what's the story, you know, we just went through and we went, yeah, this, 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 the stories of these people, but did we see Jesus in the stories? And we should see Jesus in the story. N name, name two or three or four Bible characters in the Old Testament that we should see Jesus in? Moses, Moses is the obvious, isn't it? He, Moses is, is a parallel to Jesus. He's a lawgiver. He's, uh, he leads an exodus. Uh, all kinds of things that Moses does is echoed in Jesus. Jesus comes and he just does it greater. He does it bigger. You always see an escalation in what Jesus does from what you see in the Old Testament. Name somebody else. David, absolutely. David, in fact, <laughs> the Messiah is called the son of David. He, he, he comes and he does, he, he's just a greater king. He does the things David does. He brings a kingdom. He restores David, David's kingdom. And there's much of what you see in David's life that is going to reflect in, in Jesus. Uh, somebody else? Pardon? Adam. How is Adam like Jesus? He's referred to as Adam. He's the greater Adam. Adam brought sin in the world. Jesus brought life into the world. And you see that contrast with him. So again, it's, there's an Adam-like picture there. Very good. What else? Who else? Melchizedek, Melchizedek is another. You, you can just keep going. Can you think of somebody else? Joshua? Great. That's exactly it. Abraham. You see, you, Joseph. Joseph. Uh, Somebody, I well, was my son Scott, I guess, he sent me a, a paper a few years ago that I think listed 100 ways that, jo that Joseph and Jesus were alike. 
<laughs> They're just amazing details in them. And you just keep seeing that and what God is doing over and again. Those are, those are not things we would call prophecies, but they're prophetic because they are introducing us to how God thinks. God does Melchizedek. God does Adam. God does Abraham. God does Jacob and Joseph and Moses. And all of those things reflect parts of God. And then Jesus comes and fulfills all of them. So you want to always see that. And that's what he's saying when you search the scriptures because then, then you think you have eternal life. Well, how do they research him? Well, just as many people have said to me, well, just show me what I need to do. And when I was younger, I would go, okay, go over here and repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And voila, you're going to heaven. Now I don't do that. Now I go, no, <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I, I just want to know what I can't do. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of like a, a Ten Commandment list. You know, thou shalt not, and, and, and you go down uh, the list. Exactly right that. And so you, you see those things. By the way, just to give you an illustration, I'm, I'm going to blow this class up. We're never going to get the next text. <laughs> God, blame it on you. No, you're doing great. Uh, at any rate, uh, th think, think about this. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts in chapter 5, and in verse, verse 20, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. And then the very next thing he says is, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable of, to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable for the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, Pharisee says, all right, do not murder. I haven't murdered. I'm justified before God. What's the problem? Do you really know God? Yeah. See, they're just going, don't kill somebody. And Jesus is saying, if you knew God, you know his character, you know full well that all the things that lead up to murdering somebody, including your anger towards someone and the things you say about them and all of that, is, is just violating everything I am. They're not trying to reflect God. They're just trying to go and see what, what's the rule. It is exactly like you and I fill out a, a tax return. I, I, I'm not... Uh, I'm not trying to do the government any favors. I'm just doing what they tell me to do. <laughs> I have no interest in getting to know the IRS, especially. <laughs> I just want them to stay out of my house. <laughs> you know, that, and that's the way a lot of people are serving God. It's just like, okay, what's the rule? And, and if I know the rule, then, then, I, then I'm good. And, and if I can find a loophole to the, world, to the rule, then that's even better. 
And, and, and so Jesus just goes down the list. I mean, he talks about all these various things in the Sermon on the Mount that, that they are just following the rule, but, they, but it's not, it, it, they do not see God. They don't see his form. They don't hear his voice. They search the scriptures, but they don't see Jesus. How about uh, verse, uh, verse 41 uh, combined with verse 44? What's the problem there? Cherry. Yeah, we, we, I want, you know, we're going to believe based on what everybody else, uh, we want to make sure we're in line with all our friends and all the leaders, and we, we want to be, we want to get glory from them. Uh, we're not interested in glory from God. And, and so there's, there's that idea. When uh, I, I love Paul's words in Galatians 1 verse 10, when he's dealing with the false teachers in, in Galatia, and he said, are we trying to please man or God? It was just an obvious rhetorical question. We're, we're not trying to, am I trying to please men? No, I don't care what they think. I want to please God. <laughs> Actually, had a preacher say to me when I was uh, in Fayetteville because we were doing neighborhood Bible studies on Wednesday night, he says, don't you care what other Christians think about this? I said, no, I guess I don't. I, I, I just care that we're teaching people in the neighborhoods and, and people are being saved. And I, I don't, you know, it's not unscriptural. I, I, I'm sorry, why are you asking that question? <laughs> it's just the oddest question, you know? And uh, so it, 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 we have to be very careful. You think of how that's going to affect your study in a jillion different ways, right? I'm more interested in making sure I don't violate the traditional way of doing things or listening th or, or believing or whatever because I'm, I'm afraid if I, if I do that, uh, then I'm going to be ostracized. Well, that's what you see in John 9 when the, with the blind man's parents. Remember them? Blind man goes, well, I don't know about you Pharisees, but, uh, you know, he did make me see. <laughs> and they kicked him out of the synagogue. And the parents go, you know, they go, was your parent, was your son blind? We're not in this. We're not saying. <laughs> it's like, they didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. Sherry. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's exactly right. They illustrated who was really blind, didn't they? <laughs> it's uh, very, very true. So you, you obviously seeking glory, and that's what he says in verse 44. When you receive glory from one another, and don't receive the glory that comes only from God, you know, whose glory is, mo is the only thing that's important? You want, you want to please God. And uh, uh, that, that, makes, that, that calls for us to have an independent type of, 
of study where we are making sure that first and foremost, what does God say? It's not like you're disregarding anybody else. Maybe you're making a mistake. That's not, that wouldn't be wise. But, but on the other hand, you, your, your final play is, is I want to make sure I'm pleasing to God. And boy, that comes up in a lot of different ways uh, and a lot of different times. You said something, Kathy? No? Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, and, and so, uh, and then verse 42. We might just mention that one. What's the problem there? <laughs> yeah, he says, just, just, you don't even love God. Is that an astounding... I, I, <laughs> Jesus had more guts than I do, which <laughs> he, just, he just goes, you know, you guys who uh, spent your life copying the scriptures and think you're the experts in the law and experts in the scripture, you don't even have the love of God in you. Um, how does that affect your Bible study? <laughs> yeah, it makes Bible study miserable, doesn't it? Yeah, no fun. Because it's not a desire for him. It's not, if you just read it academically, then that's a problem. Can you think of a church that was in that condition? New Testament? Can't go to heaven if you don't know this. Come on. What church did he tell them that they had lost their love for Christ? church at Ephesus. That's right, Revelation 2. And uh, how, about, uh, how about what they were doing? Not one rebuke of how they were practicing their worship and the things they were doing and all that. Oh, you're checking all the boxes, but you've left your, lost your first love. And since I'm not your first love anymore, I'm removing the candlestick if you don't repent. Now, we would tend to go, now that's a faithful church. <laughs> They do everything God says. They follow all the rules. They keep all the commandments. They haven't got the passion that a brick does, but they're doing it, you know. <laughs> Where's the love? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that you do a lot of those things in the first three verses. You can give your life yeah. to the glory of men. And not love. Yeah, absolutely nothing. So, so important. Yeah, absolutely. First Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 8.1, uh, he, he says, knowledge puffs up, love edifies. You, you take knowledge without love, and you, you lost the battle. That's exactly right. You can't please everybody, but you can please God, and that's, uh, that's the critical key. Uh, how about one more, verse 43. What's the problem there? And why will they receive somebody else? They're dressed nice and they speak nice. <laughs> Somehow, somebody else fits what they're looking for. Fits what they're looking for. That's right. And if that isn't one of the biggest mistakes, challenges, errors, sins human beings make, I have my 
paradigm of what I want to find in the religion that I want. <laughs> I, I, I. And when I find somebody that teaches what I think and I believe, then that's the place for me. I don't want to go someplace that teaches something I don't like. Okay, well, how about we find out what the Lord wants, and again, let's follow that. It's not about what you like, I like, or whatever. So big, big, big challenge there. You won't receive me, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> but you'll receive somebody else. Paul accused the Corinthians of that as well in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, somebody comes along and brings you another spirit, another word, another this and that. He says, you'll gladly accept them, but you've thrown us out the door. <laughs> and we're inspired. Uh, Ecclesiastes will, will tell you that uh, the mobs and multitudes will follow a fool. But the wise person in quiet has very little followers. It doesn't do it. Makes me think of all these people who take their retirement and get Bernie Madoff and steals the and everything because they. He says all the right things. He says all the right things. He says them when you're here. That's right. Appeals to their desires, appeals to their lust. Uh, that, that's, that's exactly right. Okay, flip the page and uh, let's take a look at Second Timothy. Uh, since we're a little short on time, we can't take the five minutes to look at it. But let's, let's read down through it and we'll stop a few places and I'll just ask you what, uh, what the things you see here. Uh, in this question, I want you to find the key, key principles that we should be following in order to understand and study the Scriptures properly. So let's, let's just look at some key principles that are positives on how we should follow, uh, look at the Scriptures. So first of all, uh, Paul begins with Timothy in 3.10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that have happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, will be persecuted. All right, what, what does that text tell you? Uh, you're listening to Paul, you're seeing what he says to Timothy here. What, what, uh, what does it tell you about how we ought to go about studying and applying the Scripture? Okay, and, and where am I going to see that pattern? Yeah, it's, so when I'm studying the Scriptures, I'm not just looking for commandments. Paul says here, and he, of course, this is not the only time he says this. He says, I want you to follow the pattern of my life. I want you to follow what I'm doing. I'm laying out a pattern. Uh, every time I read that, you know, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians more than once says, imitate me. And he's talking about the lifestyle that he lives. Imitate me. Uh, I, don't, I don't find anybody else in the Bible saying that. God must have thought really, really, really highly of Paul's life for him to be able to say, there's your model. I want you to watch what Paul does. I want you to see what he is. And you see this, his faith, his patience, his love, his steadfastness, persecution, sufferings. When you see these things, I, I want you to see that. So 
you, we learn in the Bible, not just from a direct command, we learn from the examples of those who are godly people that God has set up for us and placed them there as a pattern for us to help us actually visualize what he's already told us. And example, of course, is, is very good. And in fact, in the New Testament, you'll see reference to Old, Old Testament people and the examples that they left us, both positive and negative. So that, that's an important part of this. Um, <clears throat> if if uh, all who live godly in Christ Jesus can expect persecution, how is that going to affect the way we study and apply the word? Confidence in God. Yeah. So it's it's a it, it 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 says to a boldness, doesn't it? Yeah. If, if you don't have the depth and the desire and the love for God, then it's going to be easy for you to cave when persecution is threatened. Uh, so again, there's a boldness that has to be there in our Bible study. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, you know, and, and you guys know this because you're good students. So you, when you start studying the Bible, there's a lot of things that you look at and you say, woof. <laughs> if I say that too broadly and too many people hear that, <laughs> I, I could really get myself in trouble. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it doesn't have to be somebody slapping you around physically for it to be persecution. As Jesus even said in the Sermon on the Mount, when they say all kinds of evil about you or, you know, something like that, that that's, he refers to that as persecution as well. Look on uh, uh, verse 13. He says, uh, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So, our Bible study has to be pretty serious so that we're not deceived by those who get worse and worse and, uh, and, and are even imposters. He's, by the way, when Paul talks to Timothy, he's not talking about people on the outside. He's talking about people who try to uh, come into the church secretly and cause, cause these problems. Look at verse 14 uh, and 15. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned, and I firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. W what do you learn from verse 14? <clears throat> Okay, good. 
knowing, I think that's the key phrase, knowing from whom you learned it. Very, very important. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times I study with somebody and they're like, well, let me go, you know, and we just read a text and all I did was go, well, can you see what the text says? Yeah, but let me go ask my pastor, you know, <laughs> um, what, Paul isn't good enough? <laughs> Knowing from whom you learned it, you pay attention to the text. Uh, it wouldn't matter if the entire world thought differently. Uh, truth doesn't really care how many people don't agree with it or don't believe it. Truth is truth. It's absolute. It's serious. So he says, knowing whom you've learned it from, continue in it. We are 2,000 years later, and that same thing is still true. Knowing where we've learned it, continue in this. Don't let something take you away. Uh, what's important about verse 15? Okay, where, yeah, where am I going to learn about faith in Jesus Christ? Stop it. <laughs> where am I going to learn about faith in Jesus Christ in this text? Sacred writings, Old Testament. Uh, talking to a younger preacher today, and we were kind of teasing about, of course, he was too young to know about the old days, but uh, in the old days, and, and it hasn't gone that far back sometimes, uh, I hear somebody say, why are we studying the Old Testament? We're not under it. <laughs> Heard that dozens of times. Uh, and yet, in the next breath, quote verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable to bring you to maturity. How much of the Scripture? All. Uh, does that include the Old Testament? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, the only scriptures they had at that present time was the Old Testament. So he's obviously referring to sacred writings of the Old Testament. Yeah, the nuance there is that it makes you wise for salvation. It should have been. When Jesus came, what he was offering should have been obvious from the Old Testament. Yeah. Salvation wasn't necessarily offered in the Old, in the Old Testament, but it was pointed to. And prepared you for it. That's right. And I especially think that word faith is important there because the Old Testament teaches you over and again what salvation by faith is. It, in fact, it's the best place to go. In fact, that's where Paul goes in Romans 4 when he wants to teach salvation by faith. He goes to the Old Testament. He uses Abraham and David and all of these examples in order to teach us what it means to be saved by faith. Uh, and that's absolutely critical. And then, of course, as I mentioned, verse 16, what's all Scripture do? And what is your condition if you don't use all Scripture? Yes, sir. You're not going to be equipped. You're not going to be mature. You're not going to be complete. Uh, you won't have reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. We need reproof. We need correction. We're not going to have any of those if we don't involve ourselves in studying all 66 books. All Scripture is, is, comes from the mouth of God. That's what that inspira word inspiration means. 
uh, exhaled from God's mouth. It is the actual word of God. And, and that is saying a lot even in itself because a lot of people read the scripture thinking in terms of, well, some man just wrote this and, you know, God probably gave him some inspirational thoughts and he wrote it down in his own words. Wrong. That's not what the word means. And other passages like 1 Corinthians 2.13, Paul says, the Holy Spirit gave us words by which we are revealing to you, not thoughts and not our own wisdom. So it makes it very, very specific about that. So if you're reading the Bible and you just think that this is just mostly man-made and these are just words of man, then how serious are you going to be about it? Not serious. Not going to be important. Now you're not hearing his voice. Uh, Going over on to chapter 4, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. There will be a couple things important there. Yeah, Mike. Okay. Yeah. He can't say exactly what the scripture says. Yeah. They don't see it. Yeah. And they pretend not to. But, but, but you have to have patience. And I'll tell you what, there's been a, in fact, young preacher, we, now we were discussing this today. When you teach me, as my sons have a few times now, teach me something different than what I've always believed. I know when Brent was trying to show me that I was missing the point on the book of Revelation. It took me four years of study to figure out what he was saying and come to the conclusion he was right. But I battled him for four years <laughs> about it. I've had the same thing happen. Thing, and I think you know, there's a lot of things, especially that we grew up with, how we thought, how somebody taught us, whatever. And it is difficult to read the scriptures and be able to discover that what I always believed, I, I never saw this other side. And now that I'm seeing it, okay, I need, I need to have an open enough mind to, to look at it. But that doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't just snap your fingers. And it's, what does that tell you about how we study or how we should study? Well, it's got to have some diligence. Exactly. What, what else? Okay, now I want you to reverse that just a little bit. If I have to be patient with others, what do I have to do with my own study? Be patient with yourself too. Be bulldog determined to make sure that you, can, you have an open mind to discover and make sure you're looking at the scriptures correctly. But it takes some patience. You can't just snap your fingers. 
and suddenly you're going to change. You have to, you have to work on it. And it tells you, again, how patient we have to be with each other. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult uh, sometimes as we study together. We're not all going to line up right away. It takes time for us to work on that, and we need to be patient with one another. And of course, he points out in this also in verse 3, we just mentioned one other thing. These pieces, the time are, time's going to come in verse 3, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That's what we talked about in, in John. They want teacher to suit their own passions. He's talking about people who are Christians at the moment, and he says that time is coming when people will do that. Nothing has changed. All right, very good. A lot of, lot of th insights there about keeping these things in our minds when we go about study uh, so that we, we don't just fall into the Jewish pattern. That's right. And we need to work toward getting to the meat, but you can't beat it into them. It just it takes time to grow, and everyone doesn't grow at the same pace. That's right. So this is pretty heavy, deep study right now, and and all of us in this room aren't getting it at the same level because yeah. we're not at the same level. Yeah. So there, there is, there is a patient, and that's where loving one another and understanding our goal is to come to the knowledge of the truth, and that's, that's a real challenge. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.